can you live a normal life if you have bipolar disorder? A lot of people struggle with guilt and shame for having a disorder, especially mental, even though they have not caused it. It's not their mistake, but there's so much stigma. People are afraid to get diagnosed or treated and then suffer unnecessarily for years. And people who don't know about it, they have such negative impression of it that they knowingly or unknowingly discriminate against someone with the disorder. Therefore, in this program, as Cindy shares her story, you will learn that not only you can live a normal life, but you can live well. You can also overcome guilt and shame and live a happy and healthy life despite the disorder. So are you guys ready? Hello, friends. Cindy is a beautician by profession. She has been successfully married for 41 years and lives a very active life with yoga, biking, hiking, exercise, pickleball, photography, writing, journaling, skiing, and meeting and talking to people, all this thing, despite living with bipolar disorder. And if this is the first time you are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina. I'm an MD psychiatrist at Shifa Health, a clinical professor at University of Washington, and author of the best-selling book, Stress to Joy. You're listening to Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, a weekly show where we share practical tips for your mental fitness. If you find some value in what we discuss, like, subscribe, press the bell button, or share based on whichever platform you're watching or listening. And by doing that, you'll be joining our mission of helping more than a million people live happier and healthier life. So today we are talking about living with bipolar disorder well. So what is bipolar disorder? Do you guys know? Please go ahead and put it in the comment box if you know what bipolar disorder is and if you know anybody with bipolar disorder. Let me briefly describe what it is. It's just a mood disorder. You may know about depression as a, dep as a disorder. People with bipolar disorder as a different kind of depression. In addition to having depressive episode, they also have hyper episode when they become too much energetic and they start doing things that are not part of their personality. They may start talking too fast or talking too much or their mind may be jumping or racing. Their sleep may get affected. So a lot of things get affected and different people experience it differently. So it's very important to see a professional to get proper diagnosis. So as different people experience it differently, let's see how Cindy experiences it and how she has been able to overcome guilt and shame related to disorder. So hi, Cindy, can you tell us why? Hi. Hi, can you tell us why it is important for everyone to learn about disorder, even if they don't have it? Because people fear what they don't understand and often react with a stereotypical response to behavior that they've never seen before. And I want people to know that they can live a full and meaningful enriching life with bipolar disorder. Wonderful. So how, when were you diagnosed? When were you first diagnosed? Well, I was formally diagnosed when I was 36, but my awareness of struggles go back and problems go back to the age of 17. In my family, asking for help was not allowed. I was tormented by my efforts to find the right words to communicate clearly. But my busy brain struggled over every word to the point of confusion and my inability to communicate clearly 
reinforced my feelings of self-doubt, inadequacy, and shame. It felt like I was walking on eggshells continuously. That sounds very hard. So since you felt you couldn't ask for help, how did you manage your feelings? I tried to cover them up. I judged myself harshly and I felt that other people were judging me, especially my parents, even if it wasn't real. I was never good enough, but I had no internal tools or outward support to deal with my feelings. And not asking for help was so ingrained in me. I kept silent. And then my struggles bubbled below the surface of my life until I reached a crisis point at the age of 36. Mm. You know, ha had I known earlier something was medically wrong with me and medication could have helped, it would have saved long years journey of suffering yeah, almost 20 years as you said so how do you think medication would have helped you well if i had been diagnosed earlier i could have possibly learned how to manage my feelings in a more healthy way but as it is i began learning at the age of 36 how to face my emotions, acknowledge myself as a valuable person and recognize when fear and confusion contributed to my inability to communicate clearly. Gosh, you know, my journey has been like mountain climbing without the proper gear. Hmm. So what emotions and insecurities were you facing at that time? I was afraid, ashamed. I felt dumb, mm -hmm. unworthy and unlovable. And those are the words I use to describe myself. Mm -hmm. There was no safe place for me to escape judgment from myself or from others. You don't appear to be afraid now, even though you may still struggle with some of those insecurities you describe. So how were you able to let go of that fear? Well, when I first began sharing my story, I encountered all sorts of reactions. Some people were inspired, others critical or skeptical. And I learned that some people were not able to hear me or understand me. And I was afraid of being rejected. I've since learned about conversational safety. Hmm. Now I believe I have something of value to share and I hope this helps someone else with struggles similar to mine. One of my insecurities was feeling judged when somebody was trying to teach me something and I couldn't clear, clearly explain what I was talking about. I felt their frustration and disappointment, and I felt ashamed of myself. This was a vicious cycle I couldn't escape. So then how did you learn to escape that vicious cycle? I'm learning. I've learned not to let my emotions run my life, to accept myself for who I am. I'm awesome. 
<laughs> you are, you are. <laughs> and not to expect other people to understand me when they haven't walked in my shoes. Then I, I continue to learn how to manage my overstimulated brain and separate. Uh, and, and I have limitations and I try to separate what it is that I'm thinking from what I'm feeling. That's, that's great. So, so I shared earlier what bipolar disorder is and everyone experiences it differently. What has been your experience with that? My experience is that it's a manageable disorder. You know, medication is necessary, you know, in, in controlling your health, just like any other health issue like diabetes. And for me, it wasn't fully manageable until I made the world outside of myself larger. And I'll talk about that in a little, little bit. To bipolar disorder is a malfunction between the cognitive skills and the emotions. And therefore, it becomes difficult to separate to thoughts and emotions. And they can be confused in un unhealthy ways. But someone with bipolar disorder can learn to separate them because I am living proof. It is, um, the brain is overpowered by just too much information and stimulation. But one can learn to identify when they're being overstimulated and you know, remove themselves from what is triggering it. Hallucinations and violence aren't always part of the diagnosis. I've never had hallucination or violent tendencies. My family can attest to that. Yeah, and that's what sometimes it's portrayed in the media. And every time, you know, the name comes up, people think that, you know, this person with bipolar would be violent or would be hallucinating or doing some crazy, bizarre things. Sometimes that does happen, but it's not part of the day-to-day -day life of a person with bipolar. It sometimes happens only in the severe episodes of the illness. And like you said, not everybody experiences, you have never experienced it. So what treatments have you, have benefited you? Well, the medication, of course. And what I really want to emphasize is that there's no line of logical thinking without it. I was an insomniac and I went five days and nights with a, without sleep and with the racing brain. Um, to put it into context, my felt my brain felt like it was on Christmas. Well, Christmas tree lights were flashing all the time and telling it was hell. Mm. So when I think my racing brain and my lack of focus creates confusion, I, I step back mm -hmm. and I slow down my thinking. Mm -hmm. And one of the techniques that I use that has helped me, which is a brain training, it's called neuroptical neurofeedback. Hmm. Yeah, I know the neurofeedback is a specific form of biofeedback. So we use different types of technologies to help train our brain to respond in a different way. And so neurooptical neurofeedback is one of those technologies that uses sensors. And so they attach different sensors to the head and the ear, and it tracks your brain's electrical signals 
like 256 times per second. And it detects brainwave changes using your own natural feedback system. So it can signal you to your brain to pay attention to kind of reset the patterns. Basically, in these sessions, you learn to use present moment information rather than staying stuck in your habitual patterns. So, Cindy, how did this neurooptical neurofeedback help you break Neuro your habitually? Neurooptical neurofeedback has given me the ability to slow down my thoughts. You know, like people, if, if they don't know I have a bipolar disorder, they often won't wait for me to take the time to slow my thinking to find the right words. And then they might take my lack of response or focus personally and walk away. So instead of clinging on to my fear, I work through the lack of understanding maybe on both sides until I can get my point across. And this process of letting go is exhausting, Dr. Rosina, and it can be difficult, but it is absolutely necessary. Yeah, I agree. Because otherwise you cannot manage yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to your previous statement about making the world outside yourself larger. What does that mean? Well, it means I choose to engage with others and I learn how to embrace different perspectives. Through my husband and children and professional healthcare workers, I continue to broaden my perceptions and recognize that the world outside of me struggles with insecurities and fears, just like I do in connecting with others, I'm part of a, a larger world in a community. And I remember I'm not alone in my struggles. However, that's not to say that I don't become overwhelmed by thoughts and emotions and fears and insecurities and forget I'm alone. I, I, I do. The difference is that I can recognize when this is happening to me and then work to calm my mind and emotions and then choose to re-enter the world and my community because I know this is where my life is enriched and fulfilling. That's wonderful. So do you still have situations where you aren't able to recognize when those thoughts and emotions are getting the better of you? Yes. People walk in a way when I'm talking because I'm not getting to the point. You know, I, in essence, I believe they're saying you have, you're talking, but you're not saying anything. And that makes me feel invisible. And I'm still trying, you know, I'm still learning to recognize that it's not the other person's problem to slow down my busy brain. You know, sometimes I can step outside of myself and see what I'm doing, but I am powerless to stop what I'm until my brain slows down. So if the listener shows, you know, compassion and patience and listening, I will eventually get to the point. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's true. And sometimes people have hard time with the patience, but once people learn and know, it becomes easier. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've had, this conversation has been a learning curve for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Will you elaborate a little bit? Well, I used to be defensive and reactionary, especially when a wounded area maybe unknowingly got poked by someone. Uh, conversations were, were threatening. 
but I'm seeing it now as a means to overcome my challenges and some of the techniques that help me slow down my brain before during a conversation are like, for example, if I know that I'm going to a social function in advance that will require me to have conversations, I burn up, here's the exercise girl, I get out there and burn up some extra energy mm. with physical activity and it slows my brain down and so I can think more clearly. That's wonderful. I, the second one you said four. Yeah, walking with my camera All and right. taking pictures of nature. Wonderful. It helps me to step outside myself and focus on their beauty. Mm -hmm. I find this relaxing and creative and it helps slow my brain down. I love to send people pictures and get hearts in return. It just gives us positive. But I may also tell the listener that I'm struggling to find words and ask if we can continue this conversation at another time of our choosing. If they say no, you know, I try not to take a personal. But by postponing the conversation, I avoid having someone walk away from me while I'm talking. And hey, I like it when people ask me questions because it helps me to feel like I have something of value to share and that they are listening. You know, that applies whether you have bipolar or not. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when the people are engaged, you know, it, it feels like, you know, you are giving some value. So, so great. And thank you for audiences who are putting the comments. So please share with us if you are finding these points helpful and the Cindy's story inspiring. It inspires us too. So, all right. So you talked about these four points that help you with the conversational safety. Do you have any other daily practices that also help you? Oh, sure. Yeah. First, I keep a journal of things that I've learned throughout the years and that I didn't think I could conquer. I don't judge myself, but identify the good feelings I have when completed learning a task or a process. And that's practice. You know, Dr. Rosina, you actually taught me how to do this in one of your books. And it's helped me tremendously. Wonderful. Uh, one of my devotional practices is looking for a word that describes my feelings. Then I memorize the verse or highlight it in my mind, that word. And this increases my sense of well-being, validating me as a person, relaxing me enough to engage in deep, real conversations. Wonderful. You know, what I want to say is, Set boundaries for yourself and others. Learn when to say no. Now, this has been difficult for me, but saying no builds cognitive and emotional muscles to bring it on. I have also have to remind myself, though, in asking others to respect my boundaries, I need to respect the other person's boundaries as well. That's so true because people forget that. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you feel anxious, overwhelmed, and I, I mean, I've practiced this just as last night. I'm asking myself, what do I do? I'm overwhelmed. And I go back to the things I wrote, like acknowledge the feelings and the thoughts. Just acknowledge. You sit there with it and look at several things you can be positive 
about, you know, even about yourself and it works. And just recognize we all have something that we want to change or the world outside of us. But, and I know it's difficult to stop and choose to not let emotions control you. But it's necessary in these moments. And then once the feelings begin to subside, you know, do something for yourself that brings you joy. It's wonderful. Surround yourself with safe people. Yeah. They're likely to support you and encourage your work to become healthy or remain healthy. Conversational safety is about how you feel when you're talking about yourself to someone. And lastly, ask for help when taking on projects you know will overwhelm you. Thank you for all that have helped me because my brain operates like a mouse in a maze and it just goes, goes, goes without any sense of direction. I don't like that. I just don't have the ability to organize certain areas of my life because it is, and listen, it is nearly impossible for me to structure my thinking. But I have friends that are very good at this. Thank you, thank you. So they help me when I need it. I'm, and also learning how to you know, take things and break them down into smaller projects so it seems more manageable. That's wonderful. Yeah, these are all the tools actually everybody can use it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so when people practice these techniques, when you practice these techniques, how are they helping you? Well, they're a way of living in my daily life, consciously seeing, choosing to see myself realistically. I've learned to recognize when I'm soaring or when I'm floundering. And my greatest struggle with communication is becoming my strength and I want to tell people don't give up. So by incorporating my suggestions and other tools and skills you may learn, you may begin to see yourself more realistically, which is hard and requires help. <laughs> set yourself, set boundaries on yourself and others like I suggested. And of course this one is one I have to learn all the time is stop judging yourself and daily recognize when your thoughts and emotions are overwhelming you. Certainly find activities you enjoy and engage with others. Surround yourself with safe people. You can identify your limitations, what fears drive you, and how to overcome those fears and find wholeness and acceptance of yourself. That's wonderful. And so what do you think would happen or when ha what happens when you don't practice these techniques and life tools? Hey, if, if somebody's not taking their medication, it is generally impossible to engage and live in the world it makes a big difference. Number one, I mean, medication helps keep balance, which in turn helps us to be able to separate those thoughts from emotions and identify which is which. So without these practices or without these skills, 
we limit ourselves to what uh, only to what medication offers and we'll miss out on discovering ourselves as a valuable person capable of living in the world as a healthy and productive human being and then the personal rewards that come with that that's that's so true so are there any final take-home messages or suggestions you have yes yeah take your medication and get help none of us can do this alone none of us can do this thing called life on our own it's like an uphill climb to living healthy so take your medication and choose your helpers wisely and let them help you be willing to recognize your self-destructive patterns then be honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses but seeing yourself realistically you know the good and the unhealthy is vital to becoming a healthy you that's wonderful so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom this has been very helpful some of these tools are actually universal as i was saying and anyone can use them to mm -hmm. better their lives but especially if somebody has the disorder it would make it even further easier we're getting some questions so they say you have definitely gathered purposeful gear to help you climb our mountains so oh that's nice some one person is asking what medications and for how long can it be taken and so there are many different medications and as i said that different people have different set of symptoms and based on those symptoms those medications could be taken so it's best to talk to a mental health professional your psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner who can prescribe the medications so they can go through your symptoms and suggest what are the options in your situation and how long it could be it should be taken so some people have one major episode which can come because of a stressor in life and so we maintain the person on the medication for at least 6 months to a year of stability and then we try to taper down the medication and see if the person could ma manage but if somebody has had several episodes it's better to continue the medication on a long term basis rather than taking the risk of having another episode so it again depends on the severity the number of episodes kind of symptoms that we decide about which medications and how long to take so in uh, before we we go to our special which i have a wonderful special for you today i want to summarize that we talked about why it is important for everyone to know about mental disorders not only people who have the disorder but people who don't know also or don't have it also so that we can remove the stigma out of society people don't have to go through sh shame and guilt for years before they get the treatment and how these treatment plus life skills can help a person live a life with health and happiness and live a full life and enjoy it and to as we have done before if anybody wants to use any of the resources that or uh, get the resources that we share in these programs you can get them by texting a word joyful to the number 38470 and you would be able to get the resources as we add from time to time 
And I would like, if you would like to continue to learn these techniques for happy and healthy mind, join us every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And we'll put the description link in the description. So let's end our program with a special exercise. So today's special is called reverse abdominal breathing with arms. And so what is reverse abdominal breathing? Well, you may have heard about breathing, abdominal breathing. Abdominal breathing is the deep breathing, that deep relaxing breathing that you breathe in through your nose and fill, in, fill your stomach as if it's a balloon and you hold it and then you breathe out. Sometimes some people have difficulty. So this is reverse abdominal breathing is a modification. So let me walk you through. So why don't you kind of curl yourself and breathe out first. And then breathe in while opening your arms. So as you open your arms, you would feel more pace for you to breathe in. So breathe in again. Hold it, one, two, three, four, breathe out. Let your whole body relax. How do you feel? Good. So you'll feel relaxed and you'll be able to clear your mind and be able to go on and focus on the things that you need to do further. So on that note, uh, thank you for joining. Uh, stay safe and happy and healthy and see you next time.